This is the Find Your Forte podcast, episode 46. You have the passion. You have the education. Now it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte podcast with choral director and lifestyle entrepreneur, Ryan Guth. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast, bringing you episode... 46 with my friend and now yours stevie berryman she is the director of the houston chamber ringers which is a handbell choir but do not turn off this podcast because she will blow your mind when it comes to concert programming and planning because literally she is the most talented program planner that I've... I don't like handbell concerts. I don't like them at all. But I would say that a concert that I saw of hers last summer was probably the most entertaining musical event that I've ever been to in my short life. So I I would say that you should take a listen because the things that she has to offer you are so valuable as a choir director if you want people to value your program, if you want audiences to support you, if you want to make people addicts of your product, then you should listen to this episode because uh, there is seriously nobody better uh, that I know of uh, when it comes to, to program planning for any kind of musical ensemble. And so it just so, so happens that Stevie is with me today, so I have to ask my first question. Stevie, Choir Nation is ready. They're at the edge of their chairs, folders open, and looking your way. Are you ready to deliver the downbeat? I cannot wait. Great. So, um, Stevie, we're going to head through the biographical portion pretty quickly, um, but I want to ask you if I were to have met you at a cocktail party and I said, oh, Stevie, great to meet you. What is it that you do? What would you tell me? I direct a kick-ass handbell choir. Boom. See, that's a confident answer. And, and they are a kick-ass handbell choir. Yes, uh, they are. So, and th- that's, you know, just that right, uh, right there alone is so important. How many people can say about their choral ensemble, I direct a kick-ass choir? Like, that is, that is a... a that means that you believe in your product. That means that you believe in your group, your your team. You believe in the preparation. You believe that you've done. You believe in yourself. Like that is a very loaded statement. So to say I direct a kick-ass handbell choir means that now you got to back it up. And it sounds like if you're going to make that kind of statement, it sounds like you can. Yes. So, so choir nation, if you can say. I direct a kick-ass choir, then you may have made it. Well, I'll, I'll interject that if you do, you already know it. Exactly, and right. If you're not sure, then you don't. Because That's it true. Doesn't, it doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't. There's a lot of, lot of preparation and planning that goes into directing a kick-ass anything. Yes. And... Uh, yeah, if you have to think about it, then the answer is probably no. <laughs> right. For sure. So so you direct a kick-ass handbell choir. It's called the Houston Chamber Ringers. You're obviously out of Texas. Yes. And um, 
Explain to me just a couple of the concert sort of experiences that you've been able to provide your audiences with in the, the last you know few years since you've been the director of this group, and you know what makes this choir so incredibly unique. What makes us unique is our focus and our point of view. There are many wonderful musical ensembles out there in Houston and in every place that I've I mean, just, yeah, Texas alone is just a hotbed for musical talent, isn't it? It is. And believe it or not, there are places where handbells are really big and exciting, and Houston is one of them. We have four professional handbell choirs in our city just here, and then there are other ones in the towns outlying Houston, and then you go to Austin, and there's they're all over the place here. So being in a good ensemble is not particularly unique. Um, the problem is that most of them are boring. They're good, but they're boring. We have the same problem in the choir world. We have everybody wants to be this elite chamber ensemble. Right. That's so insanely boring and only serves the interest of the people in the group and not really the audience and it doesn't draw anybody new and you know into the art form right their purpose when they put on a show is to impress their audience that's not what we do our purpose is in to entertain Mm -hmm. and we are very serious about being an entertaining group and that's our focus on on everything we do from the moment people get into the parking lot to the moment they leave the building, we're concerned about the entire audience experience. So that drives our funding, um, our question of where do we spend our time, where do we spend our money, What it all goes back to the question is, does this enhance our audience's experience? So you said on yesterday's podcast, on Technique Tuesday, which by the way, if you haven't listened to, you should, um, you said in response to speaking about the experience of the young chorister, what is the car conversation going to be like right when that, when the child leaves your rehearsal and gets in the car and mom, mom and dad say, did you have fun? Right. There's also a car conversation that is going to be had when someone leaves your venue. Absolutely. And that's not something that you want to leave to chance. You, you want to guide what that conversation is. And I've created tools for planning the concert experience um, to help us make sure we don't leave anything out because it's way more complicated than just putting your music on and running through it in front of an audience. There's a lot more involved. Um, And one of the things and the questionnaire that I follow in my checklist is what feeling is the audience going to leave with? Right. I want to know before they buy a ticket, I want to know what feeling they're going to leave with. Because I craft that. Wow, this is this is it, it's it's it takes. I mean, it takes real work. There's no way to avoid the work when it comes to providing an experience like like this. You have to put in the work, and it has to be well planned. You cannot wing it. You can't just pick a bunch of music that you like uh, that has no through line, that has no no. Um, it's not, there's no theme. It's not guided in any way uh, in order to make, to make, to, into control, you know, not control, right. but at least guide the, the, 
the talk that uh, the people leaving your audience are going to have with themselves and each other. So, right. so, so we pick music that will tell a complete story that that will take our audience on a journey. And it goes far beyond, oh, our concert's in December, so our theme is Christmas. Um, it's, it's a lot more involved than that. Oh, our concert's in May, our theme is spring. Or, unfortunately, most concerts in spring, their theme is simply not Christmas. Um, there's more to it than that. Or there certainly can be, and they're a lot more fun. Absolutely. I mean, it's fun for your audience. It's fun for the choir. And believe me, you have a special, a special, uh, difficult, more difficult, uh, I can't speak today. Or you have an especially more challenging, uh, problem ahead of you because you're also in a, uh, you're in a niche. I mean, you are in a real niche. Handbells oh. is a real niche. And if you can make That's a handbell good. concert, fun for a mainstream audience then then you made it you know you can it would be great if we started out at zero that people hadn't ever heard of handbells and they didn't know what we did and everything that would be fabulous if we could just start at zero but we don't right because handbell concerts suck i mean terrible they're awful i i you know i i i don't get excited at all i mean i i have i run a i run a handbell choir that's sponsored by freaking Walmart handbells and i love what i do i love what stevie does but i am bored to tears at handbell concerts um just most of them aren't concerts they're most not of them are recitals and it's a recital of a very specific niche instrument so it would be like going to a banjo recital or an accordion recital it would be really cool maybe if you hadn't seen it before for you know like one song and then maybe a song that was in three four instead of four four and then after that you're going to be looking at your watch right so the idea that you could get people to show up for concerts season after season after season on this one instrument um that's a pretty big thing i I performed as a musician, as a ringer in a professional bell choir for a number of years. Um, and I can't tell you how many concerts I played to an audience of 40 people. Right. I, it was ridiculous. Right. So, so it's almost better, back to your main point, it's almost, it's almost better if people have, have never seen a, a bell choir concert before. Right. <laughs> because because they have, they're not going to be able to prejudge your your product and i mean the same goes for the choir the the vocal choir world i mean there are some just god awful you know community choirs out there that it's not just the singing it's just it's the programming it's i wouldn't mind if you weren't like a great technical singer a group of singers if you were at least fun at least if you were at least entertaining Yes. But if you can't give me any of the above, <laughs> I'd rather you just not, you know, mess around with our <laughs> with our art form and 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 turn people <laughs> off, you know. Right. So, what do you believe? Let's let's get into this nitty gritty here. Um, you know, what do you believe are the components of of a great concert? And I'm I'm assuming planning is probably n- number one, and we can get into the sub categories of planning. Um, is there anything, anything like, give me like the overarching categories and then we can sort of delve into each individual, individual one. So, cause I really want the choir, the, you know, choir nation to leave with a, a, a great blueprint for, for planning an awesome concert. All right. Well, let me, let me start by, 
I mean, we've said what our concerts are not. So let me give an example of what our concerts involve and how they're different than maybe what you've seen before. Great. Okay. Because our, and we don't call them concerts, by the way, we call them shows. We want, we want to entertain. And maybe that sounds crass and commercial, but I don't care. We perform for money. We're a professional group. I want you to pay me. So we always have between two and 400 people at our shows. We had one this past Saturday, tons of new people there, people who came up and said, this is my first time ever going to handball concert. I can't wait to see you at Christmas. So they're coming. Right, just come back and see you, not another one that's going to ruin their perception of what handballs are. (laughs) Right. So our concert this past Saturday was called Starstruck, and it was all based on music that has been inspired by space, which um, could be a really deadly program. Lots of people have done this before, um, and it could be all kind of new agey, original compositions, sort of spacey music, and that's fine for a few pieces. We played a couple of those, but it gets very boring if that's the only thing on your journey, if that's the only thing you're listening to. Um, you might as well pack it in after a few songs because they're not going to be listening to anything after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we played a few of those original compositions, but then we also played things like What a Wonderful World. And most of our shows have some kind of multimedia element to it. In this one, we were in front of a movie screen, essentially. It was a, it was a huge screen that ran the whole length of the stage. And um, So was it, was it like a, a back, a, a rear projected scrim or something like that? Yes. Okay. And um, for What a Wonderful World, we showed shots of the planet Earth that had been taken from space. So uh, the idea of performing that particular song was was truly, in a cosmic sense, this is where we are. Mm-hmm. This is who we are. This is how we exist. And so the focus of the slides got narrower and narrower from shots of the Earth to shots of Europe to shots of... Uh, North American continent, and then you could kind of pick out features on the U.S. You could see here's Florida, and then down to cities. Here's Boston. Here's you. Here's Washington D.C. And it ended with um, Houston because that's where we are right now. This is our world, and and isn't it cool that we're a part of it? So yes, there's a song, and it's nice to play that song, but it's so much more effective when that song tells a complete story that the audience is part of. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it, you know, it's a moving song to begin with, you know, when you have, when you have, you know, even just the lyrics associated with it. Um, but when you take away the lyrics, you know, you really need to have something special to, to, to draw your audience in and, exactly. and make it important to, you know, make it special for them. So, I mean, it sounds like that's a great example of, of a way to, to keep your audience in, engaged uh, through what could have been a, a potentially boring piece. It really could be because everybody knows it. Yeah. So we try to tell that story in a little bit different way. Um, we played Fly Me to the Moon, which is a great song, but we paired it with a, a, a retrospective of the Apollo missions. This is literally how we flew to the moon. Right. And that's, that's how we told the story of that song. And now you also you also had a because I mean there are some more little little gumdrops in this 
Oh, yes. Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about the other things you did to, to engage the audience because, I mean, the music, the concert programming and the music is just one small component of, right. of a much bigger plan. Well, Houston's nickname, we're called Space City because, you know, NASA's here. Houston, we have a problem. That actually happened. It wasn't just a movie. Mm-hmm. So um, we invited an astronaut to come and speak during our show. And about halfway into the show, instead of having an intermission, um, Colonel Jerry Ross came and talked about his experiences as a former NASA astronaut, as the first human ever launched into space seven times, um, what that was like. And so he had a slide presentation. The photos we showed, actually, for What a Wonderful World, were his personal photographs that he took from the space station. So it was viewing our planet literally through his lens. And what that looked like. So, so has he? Wait, he's been. This guy's been in space more times than anybody else. He was the first to go into space seven times. That record has since been tied, but it hasn't been exceeded. Wow. Okay. And yeah. he. Wow. It's so cool that he. It was the pictures that he took that you used for that for that for that. that yes. That song. Not the NASA photographs. His personal photo, which you know, I was hoping that meant they were the ones with the aliens in them. Right. <laughs> But anyway, it was, yeah, it wasn't the published photographs. It was from his personal collection. And they're, and they're absolutely gorgeous. Well, which makes so, it even more special. Right. So. Now, one thing that we do to help tell this story is, like I said, we try to, to consider the entire audience experience. And your venue plays a really, really big part in that. So we don't have concerts in churches. That's where most people hear handbells. In a church, even if it's a concert, not a worship service, it's in a church. We intentionally stay out of that because we figure, hey, anyone who's going to want to hear handbells in churches probably already do, you know. So we we try to get out of that so we can bring handbells to people who haven't heard it before. And that allows us to maybe go play in places that we wouldn't normally consider as concert venues. Mm -hmm. So this show was at our local community college, Lone Star Community College. They have a campus right nearby. And since this was a science-heavy theme, we went to talk to them and say, hey, this is what we're looking for. What do you have? What can you do? Um, I had read an article in the paper that they were starting an astronomy department at this particular branch. So we went to go talk to the people there and found out they were super excited about bringing this kind of art and science idea together together. Um, and they were enormously helpful. So they gave us a room. They gave us um, a tech to do our sound and lights and that kind of stuff. And the students who were in those astronomy classes set up telescopes on the balcony outside of the performance area. And so after our show, there were these guided stargazing opportunities. So we played Jupiter from the planets. And then you could go out and look through a telescope and actually see Jupiter. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> that that, was, that's like so cool. Like it's yeah. like it gives me chills <laughs> to think about it. That's so cool. Right. So that um, that's one example. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? I mean, or do, I was going to maybe even think of, talk about another example and then get into the core components of, of planning. Well, the thing is, I think a lot of people are scared from doing this just because they're afraid, oh, like it costs too much. It does this. It does And there are ways around that. So Colonel Ross came and spoke. We did not pay him to come and speak. He came on his own. He's an author. He's written two books about his space experience. And so after the concert, 
he sold copies of his books and then autographed them and personalized. And did he sell them? Oh man, he sold a ton. Right. Of, <laughs> of like, course he did. Of course he did. Yeah, everyone wanted these because I mean, well, the timing worked. It's a great graduation gift. It's a great Father's Day gift. It's you know, it's just well, and people are excited. I mean, yeah. even if you were never going to read the damn thing, you were, you're, you're still going to buy one because he, he's, he's an astronaut. He's there to sign it. You know, right. I mean, and you're so just, everybody is so pumped about space right now because of this concert. Even if they've never cared about space exactly. in their life, they care right now. Or they're thinking, I know somebody I could give that to. You know, and so lots of people, they didn't buy one book. They went up and bought five you know, wow. they're giving them to their grandkids or, or whatever. And so that, that worked really well. There was this book signing, there were the telescopes, uh, all these different components working together. We didn't pay for the venue. Now, lots of times we have to pay for our venue. But in this instance, since we were involving the school in what we did, um, if we had come in and rented the venue, it would have been out of our budget. But they can invite a group to come and be a guest performer and then it doesn't cost us anything. We are there under their invitation. Now, yes, it was us that went to them and said, hey, can you invite us? But, you know, it all worked out so that that venue was ours for free. So we did very well financially off of this concert. But more than that, the people who came, they're going to come back and they're going to bring people with them. Absolutely. Right. Because if, if, if you... If you leave a concert and you just you can't say so you can't say enough good things about it, you know, and you're you're gonna tell people, and then they're gonna be excited to to come to the next one. I feel like you should almost be selling tickets for the next concert on the way out of the of this one. <laughs> we'll get there. We do use our concert to pr- promote the next one. So a lot of people. They don't do that. They don't know what their concert is until maybe three or four months before their show. But we already have our venue and our date and our concert theme and everything for Christmas. So we use the current show to go, here's where you see us next. Here's what's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. So give us another example, um, you know, in less than five minutes of of another sort of creative concert that you did. Why don't you talk about the one... um, the Christmas one, because that's one I think that we have an issue with, uh, because, you know, you got bells, you got Christmas. Yeah, they go together, but like, that's not good enough to be entertaining. (laughs) You'd think Christmas would be a no brainer. Um, it's the hardest one. It's the hardest one, not to get people to keep coming back every Christmas and to make it a family tradition. That's always our goal. We want to make this Something that not just, oh, it's Christmas and, oh, it's bells, that makes sense. But but to say, it's not Christmas unless we see bells. It's not Christmas unless we go to this concert. This right. Is our, this is our thing that we do. Right. Okay. And every community choir, professional choir, you know, had, or even school ensemble has a Christmas concert of some kind. And, and it's, I mean, now maybe public school, it's called your, you know, politically correct holiday <laughs> concert or whatever. Um, fest, whatever it is, you've got it. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. But there's gonna be, everybody performs in December, whether they want to or not. Yes. So okay. So our show was called the Twelve Days of Christmas and Other Bad Ideas, and our uh, flyers had pictures of fruitcakes, and we were just playing up the notion that 
so many things that happen in Christmas are a disaster, or at least really, really bad ideas. And in our show, we were going to kind of help steer you away from the common Christmas pitfalls. So our show is divided up into different sections. Um, the first section was terrible gift ideas and popular Christmas music. And we performed with a children's choir because that makes all terrible ideas more palatable. And we did All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth and I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas with the notion that, no, you should never give these things as gifts. That's it's a horrible idea. <laughs> well, and the, the beautiful marketing tactic about involving a children's choir is that you get their parents to come too. Exactly. We tend to involve a lot of people in our groups because it does. It automatically inflates your audience. Yep. Um, our second section was the art of successful regifting, also a possible Christmas pitfall that you need to avoid. And we talked about how the important thing is if you were going to regift, you need to at least repackage it in some way. Don't make it obvious. Make it look like something new that you haven't heard before. And in this section, we played arrangements of um, common Christmas songs, but that were arranged in a very different way or different flavor. So there was a, like a Latin salsa version of Deck the Halls. Um, and there was a Celtic version of the first Noel. So it's things that were familiar, but presented in a new way. They were, okay. okay, wrapped differently. Right. That was our re-gifting section. Okay, cool. Then we went to the 12 Days of Christmas. Actually, it's titled um, Musical Alternatives to the Debacle that is the 12 Days of Christmas. And we, first of all, set as a baseline that all of these are horrible gift ideas. Everything in the 12 Days of Christmas is just bad. Don't, don't give these things to your true love. They won't stick around. So we, we grouped all of the birds in that song together. And instead of birds, we gave a song called Karoo Karoo, which is um, an, an early French uh, bird carol. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it talks about the birds at Christmas and what they saw. And it's a beautiful, sweet little carol. Um, for the five gold rings, we talked about gold being, yes, an acceptable gift. Most women want one special gold ring, though, and not five of them. So for gold, we went with Bell Carol of the Kings, the gold frankincense and myrrh idea. So um, for Seven Swans of Swimming, we played the swan from Carnival of the Animals. Um, and, and so we just went through each little line in the song that way and came up with a better alternative. We did a lot from the Nutcracker Street. Now, you didn't play all 12 well, we did, but we grouped all the birds together. So there's oh, okay. right there. Oh, That's, wow. Yeah, that is a lot of birds, yeah. isn't it? Right. Right. Up until swans was the only bird that we pulled out separately. Up until that, everything's a bird. What did you do for the 11 pipers piping? Um, Dance of the reed flutes from the Nutcracker. Oh. Lords of Leaping was Traypak from Nutcracker. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're right. Ladies dancing was Arab dance from Nutcracker. I see. Okay. Uh, drummers drumming, patapan. So each one of those we picked something that would be better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and then yeah, the- my dad's a bagpiper and um, <laughs> I can only stand one of them at a time, you know, so 11, I mean, that's not a, that's a, that's a, that's a breakup. It's a divorce present right there. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Okay. So we did, then the last section of the concert was called, okay, fine, the 12 days of Christmas. And I, I want to point out, these are all written in very formal script, very old world kind of type. But uh, So there was a nice juxtaposition there. We did the 12 days of Christmas. We did it as a sing-along, though. We did it as a ridiculous audience sing-along. 
with me occasionally turning around and yelling at the audience for dragging or what have you. So um, we always try to have audience participate in some way in our shows. Lots of times it's a sing-along. Sometimes it's something else goofy or a game to play. But this time was a sing-along. And then the second to last thing on the show was just called A Really, Really Bad Idea. Um, and there wasn't anything listed, no composer. And I have to say, my ringers rarely see the program. I mean, I email out the uh, concert order early in the season so they can get their folders in order, but they don't actually generally look at the program. So they didn't see this listed, a really, really bad idea. They had no idea it was there. If they even saw it, they didn't know what it meant. What it meant was me telling the audience that I tried to come up with the worst idea I could come up with for a concert. What would be a terrible idea? And I thought, man, you know what? If I if I asked my group to sight read something really hard <laughs> in front of an audience, that, that'd be a terrible idea. Oh, yeah. my God. That would give people a, a heart attack. It, it it absolutely did. <laughs> and they're just kind of staring at me as I'm discussing with the audience. Audience, and then so I passed out Leroy Anderson's sleigh ride, um, and we sight read it. Oh audience. my god, it's not easy. No, <laughs> it's um, and it was probably the slowest public performance ever of sleigh ride, and it was punctuated by me shouting a lot of measure numbers at them and ringers yelling things like, I need an A flat. And that kind of thing. And oh, my God. And, and this was like actual horror. This wasn't even like, they're not, they, they didn't script they need an A-flat. They just didn't have one, so they're just yelling no, they out. no idea. Wow. It was, it was a total ambush. Um, they all threatened to quit afterwards. Um, uh, and, and it was horrible, and it was hilarious. And if a concert up to that hadn't been so good, we couldn't have gotten away with it. But as it was, the audience thought it was hysterical. Of course. They just, they loved seeing up there people flailing and struggling and, and everything. And and it was, it was geared to be ridiculous. I picked something that they could do, but that they couldn't do well. I mean, I didn't want to just have them do nothing. I wanted, I wanted but it was completely right. excusable because, because the audience yeah. had a great time and yes. they clearly proved that they're a great choir and yeah. you're, you're giving me, it's a, you're giving them a glimpse into what it's like exactly. to be to begin a new piece, and, um, and it plays against this idea that we only are allowed to be perfect, right? You know, as music groups, that we're not allowed to play a wrong note or or, or struggle <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, like why are we hiding that? Like that's right. that's yeah. I mean, we all start somewhere in the rehearsal process, and and giving your audience a glimpse into that, a humorous glimpse into that. You know, well, makes us more vulnerable as musicians too. <laughs> that song requires percussion to to really play off. It, and like and the slapstick, the whip. Yeah. So I had a I had a whip, and and I had the sleigh bells, the jingle bells there. So I had somebody who could do those. But then I had another musician who didn't have anything to do. Well, the part that I would normally give them are the temple blocks. I didn't have temple blocks, so I just said, okay. So I don't I don't have temple blocks, but could you just stand here by this mic and go? Uh, into the mic with your mouth and she just looked at me and and agreed because i i know my people pretty well there's not everyone i would pick to do that and then the last thing that song really needs is it needs a trumpet because you have to have the horse oh yes and well i didn't have a trumpet and didn't have a trumpeter but i do have um a very outgoing daughter so i brought her out of the audience and just said i just need you to make a horse sound 
when I point at you. At the end? She did. So I just pointed at her and she went, nay, like that. And that, that was, that's how we did the song. That's great. That's great. And, and your audience probably felt so comfortable with that. I mean, they did. The audience loved it. And the thing is, the last song we played is a song called The 12 Days After Christmas. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's it's this great piece where it talks about... Um, <laughs> is that like the 12 days after Christmas? That's da, dee, da, dee, da, dee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Fight, right? And it talks about how all the gifts go wrong. Um, and so we have a great singer who's with our group who can really ham that thing up so mm-hmm. the audience when we got to that last piece the audience was ready to just laugh and keep laughing and and that's exactly what they did that's great oh that was that that's that's the uh, and with a single cartridge i shot that blasted partridge right is that the, the one. Oh, okay yes okay that's funny yeah you know a little a little violent but it's texas so it's cool <laughs> very good yeah okay so so now for the for the the recipe right, right. So what are the things you know, that we think about? We've heard examples. What are the things that you think about when it comes to planning a concert like this? Okay. Well, you can most easily go through this by putting yourself in the place of a concert goer and say, okay, when I get out of my car, what's my experience going to be? And, and that's where you start. You start with, the signage. Can I find where I'm going? Is it clear where I buy my ticket? How do I get a program? Is it clear which door I enter? Because you want it to be a positive experience from their very first moment. Well, well you all, but you also want them to find the concert in the first place. So the 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 marketing that goes into the signage beforehand right. needs to needs to be in place, and it needs to look professional. I, yeah. I see terrible marketing stuff out there. If it looks like you you did it, you know, on your computer in 1994. Right, Microsoft got, Word. Right. Nobody's going to come to that show. Nope. <laughs> Hire a graphic designer. Go to fiverr.com, f i v e r r.com and it'll be better than what you can do. So, so yeah, Fiverr is a good resource. Canva, I use all the time. I use Canva for all the graphics for the show, so uh, it makes being a graphic designer relatively easy if you're not one. So look professional. Right. Get it professionally printed. Put out the change to pay for a printer to do it. Don't steal time on your church's copy machine. Look like a professional. So, yeah, otherwise people don't show up. So that's your marketing. It's, It's all of that. When they come in and they're in their not in the hall yet, but they're in the lobby or whatever area they're gathering in. Do you have a bunch of crap lying out there? <laughs> Do you have people's bags of clothes or, or instrument cases or something? You know, make it look nice mm-hmm. and make it look welcoming. Have a place for people to sit if they're there early and the hall is closed. That's a big thing. What time do your doors open? Because they need to be shut until that hall is ready. And by ready, I mean everything's out of the seat. The stage is clear. Everybody's got their stuff ready to go. There's no more running on stage to get one thing or to put some music somewhere. It's set. And that has to happen at a certain time. And it has to happen before the doors open and before people are allowed into the hall. Um, It's just little things like that that will make a big difference. So you give this wonderful show. And now it's over, which people do. Um, 
if there's nothing for them to do, they'll leave, which is okay. That may be what it is. But usually after a show, people want to talk. They want to share that experience that they just had. That's why a live music experience is so much better than anything that you're going to get recorded. It's also why we don't stream our concerts. Now, this is a point of contention, but we are all about the live experience. We think our shows are the best live shows around and that you're going to miss out if you're not there on the date of the performance. Right. So it doesn't, for us, there's no benefit to live streaming it. Why would we do that? That just allows people not to come. It also allows people not to buy a ticket, which, you know, why would we enable that? But also they're not going to have the same experience. And part of that is talking about afterwards. They're going to want to talk to the musicians. They're going to want to talk to people. So, so give them a way to do that. Have an activity after the show. We, like I said, we've had a book signing up. Punch is not the way to do it necessarily. (laughs) The church, don't break out the church punch bowl and, (laughs) and the cannolis, right? I mean, no, nothing wrong with cannolis or punch, but we have had receptions before, but they go with our concert theme. Right. So, like for the 12 Days of Christmas and other bad ideas, we served fruitcake. Now, we also served cookies that were, you know, actually appetizing. But that when you first walked out, that's what you saw was a big <laughs> plate of fruit. Big old fruitcake. Yeah, because that was just, it was just fun. And it lets people kind of laugh and sit down and, and that so you want you want to encourage people to stick around and have a good time. You want to encourage them to have some time to talk to you, the director. Um, make sure that everyone has their assignment for after the show. Some of your musicians are great at talking to people. Their job needs to be to talk to people, not to pack up. There are some of your musicians who would never want to talk to anybody after a show. They don't. That's just terrifying for them. Fine, let them pack up and get you guys out of there sooner. Right. So depending on their personality, you know, you can assign them a job. So you 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 can recruit some brand ambassadors to to jump out into the audience yes. that are those sort of extroverted individuals that don't right. mind saying hi to people. Now, you've spoken a little bit about like that professionalism, you know, setting up the concert venue correctly, you know. What to do when you get there? What to do when you know before you leave? But but the the question I really have, and I think that Choir Nation really wants to hear about, is like, what are the components involved in choosing a theme? Oh, that that stuff. I like, see. That's the thing that, that I think we're lacking in the choir world. Is I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of text about how to properly execute the day of. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the real the real struggle that we have in the choir world is choosing repertoire is is coming up with a some kind of theme and like the things to think about in order for you to to come up with a theme that's going to be both artistically fulfilling for you as a director and as a uh, a choir member in in the ensemble and one that will also be entertaining to your audience so that the audience continues to grow and support you. Well, I work as a creative consultant to plan these concerts. And although the the product is called Epic Concerts, the tagline is how to make sure your concert doesn't suck. And Boom. Love the word. Love the word suck. You know Choir Nation. I like that word. Your choir sucks because you suck. Go back and listen to the episodes. Fantastic. And thank you, Stevie, for sharing that word. Okay, keep going. <laughs> But it's true. It's true. So many concerts out there just 
suck because, and it, and it does go back to the, the very beginning of the planning. And I like what you said about how do you pick a theme? How do you choose that? Because as directors, we tend to fall in love with our music, like with all of our music. We go, oh, this is a great song. I love this song. I have to perform this song. Oh, this is a great song. I love this song. I have to perform this. And our job as directors is to stop being such musical sluts. We need to practice musical monogamy. Okay. Fall in love with one song. Oh, now I have to put the explicit tag on my episode, Stevie. Okay. No, we were so good until that. Okay. No, it's fine. Okay. Keep going. You knew when you invited me. I know. I know. But I know I, I, they're always the best episodes when I have to click the old explicit tag on iTunes. Okay. Keep going. Holy moly. Find one piece, fall in love, and be faithful to that piece. That means everything else on your list is expendable. Okay, even if it's a great piece, even if it's your favorite piece, if it's not the one you've committed to, it's expendable. Doesn't matter if you your best friend wrote it and arranged it just for you. You've got to be very, very faithful to this idea. So you've got one song that is going to, you're, you're putting your heart and soul into that one piece, and that's going to determine the whole feel of your show. So work around that. Find what that thing is and, and figure out how do I showcase this jewel of mine? What is the best way to do this? Um, so you're keeping it really simple. You're only, yes. you're not committing to 10 pieces. You're committing to one piece. Right. Then start looking for all the different settings that will help enhance this jewel. Come up with 30 different songs that could work with it. And then you start pruning away. The problem with pruning is that you have to prune away healthy growth as well as, as dead wood. I mean, that's what pruning is. It doesn't mean you just cut away the stuff that's bad. It means you're going to cut stuff that's good too, but it's required to get your concert into the shape that you want it to be. Just because it's great doesn't mean it belongs on your show or maybe this show. Save it for later. Okay. So so we're centering everything around the one piece and we, we are picking repertoire. We're thinking about a, a bunch of repertoire that would complement that piece and help to showcase it. Right. And we might we might have spent some time rehearsing a piece that we eventually decide that we're just not going to do because it just doesn't really work anymore and that's right. okay as in don't you can't beat yourself up over over cutting some healthy growth away as well okay. um i actually experienced this um for our show deep in the heart of texas which is the one that you saw at pinnacle mm-hmm. um last summer and i had a song on that concert originally that was a great song i mean if uh, we could play the heck out of it I, it just it was really really good and i i wanted to do well because this was a this was a big deal this is a concert for all my peers for 400 different handbell ringers i mean it was it was a huge honor and i wanted to showcase what made us sound good but thematically it was a stretch it was a it was a big stretch and um so i thought uh it, it just i i could make it work but it wasn't, I knew it didn't quite fit. And right, well, performing it would have served you, not your audience. Right. And knowing that it wasn't quite right and accepting that it wasn't quite right helped me be open to when I did hear a song later that was the right song, I was able to go, 
that's what I've been waiting for. That's the one I'm looking for. And that happened when we went to um, Strike Point of Texas. Went to I went to go hear their handbell concert. Um, and their director had written a song for their show called Cripple Creek. And um, I, I thought, oh, this is what I need. This, uh, this is exactly the, the song that I need. Um, so I talked to her afterwards and got permission to use that on our concert. But if I had just, you know, gone, well, I've picked my songs and then I'm done. Um, it would, it would never have, it wouldn't have been as good of a show. Wouldn't have been bad. Still lots of great stuff, but it wouldn't have been as complete an experience for our audience. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, because you're thinking about your audience. You're thinking about right. the, 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 the intended, uh, you know, the mission of, of this particular concert in, in, this, in that piece, although you played it really well, would, wouldn't have really served them properly. So, right. um, okay, great. So, so what, what is next? What is next for Houston Chamber Ringers? No, what is next? What is next in the process? It, you know, so you're okay. you're choosing exactly. one piece and you're just like, okay, this is this is going to be the centerpiece of my program. We're going to just thematically program around it. How do you know whether a concert idea is a good a concert idea is a good idea or a bad idea? Well, I talk about it with a lot of people. I go, here's what I'm thinking, and I go to people I trust. I go to people who are not involved in my group. Um, and say, here's, here's where I am. I like this part. I'm not sure about this part and I need, I need something to kind of fill in here, but, but I really like this idea. Um, my family is great about that kind of thing. They've gotten so that there's some of my best inspiration. Actually, the idea of playing, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Uh, that came from my son when we were talking about bad gift suggestions. (laughs) He said, oh, I know one. (laughs) Um, so it's great to kind of reach out to the people that you know that are knowledgeable and creative and get their take on it. Um, It's okay to look at what other people have done. I don't actually find it particularly helpful, but it's okay. But I wouldn't crowdsource it in the way that I see a lot of people doing saying, I have this concert. This is my theme. Now give me the repertoire suggestions that I need. I see. Oh, you mean like every Facebook post of all time? (laughs) Yeah. Right, because they have no idea what the mission of your group is. The people that are responding don't know you well enough to, re- to really give you the right kind of insight. Every ensemble is like a car. I mean, they, you know how to drive a car, but each one feels and handles differently. It does different things well. I can't give you suggestions for your group until I know your group. So, And that's the process that you use when you, you have a discovery process uh, that you use when you coach, uh, you know, conductors right. on programming. You know, there is a there is a one to two hour Skype call where you say, "All right, I need to know about your group. I need to know what their strengths are, their weaknesses are, what are your goals, what that kind of thing," because right. you need to find out. You need to find out first. Uh, um, enough information to be able to give them an, an, an informed opinion of, of what they should do next. Right. My first question is usually quite disconcerting for people. I, I say, I've never heard of you. Why should I go to your concert? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even if I have heard of them, I play the part of somebody who's never heard of you. Why should I go to your concert? And it's kind of scary how 
how that tends to stop people dead. You know? Right. Well, this is, this is something I bring up in my conference presentations all the time. I mean, you were sitting there, you were sitting there in my, in my conference presentation last summer. And one of the questions I said is what makes you special? Exactly. Why should I listen to you? If you're going to market yourself online as a, as a, as a ensemble, you need to figure out what makes you special. Right. And, uh, and if you ain't special, no one cares. <laughs> exactly. So... Okay, so so why? So I don't know you from Adam. Why should I care about your about your ensemble at all? Right. So once you know who you are, and that's a big thing, and then you can communicate to me who you are, then we plan your show. And and yes, getting the repertoire selection, getting your set list, that's step one. And then you have to figure out. All right. So I have this show. Who is it going to speak to? Who is my audience? Too often we put a show together and we go put it out there and publicize it and go, well, people should just want to come to my show. Like everybody should just want to right, come to my Right, right, exactly. No. <laughs> right, but yeah, even, you know, even, even, you know, the largest corporations and the, you know, the Fortune 100, their marketing is targeted at one specific type of person and it's right. focused, and then it draws people in from the sidelines that maybe they're not focusing on, but they are focusing on one particular, like what I like to call is avatar, a particular right. ideal client. Find your forte has an avatar, in, and and this avatar, you would be surprised when you find out who who I actually target this podcast to. It's a fictional character, um, but it's somebody I keep in mind when I'm talking, and um your your musical ensemble needs to have an ideal audience member that you can focus your marketing efforts towards. Right. And and for us that changes every single show. It's a different show and it goes towards a different audience every time because once we have a set audience we're not out to recruit them again. We we're going to assume they're going to come back because we're that good. Right. So for this space show with this education theme, we focused on students, elementary students in particular. We actually had a Girl Scout troop of fifth grade girls that used our show as part of their project that they were working on about helping teachers and parents find more resources about space. Okay, so they did the slides for one of our songs, which was awesome. We got to bring in these these girls and they were in uniform and they looked great and they gave a little introduction and and so we marketed this show and went after children that was our audience when we did a show last year we did one called now playing and it was movie themes we held it in a movie theater and we showed movie clips and stills on the screens behind us as we played and instead of that awful between song patter we had on-screen movie trivia and and that kind of thing that concert was geared towards teens and that's who we went after very directly and very intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, we had a show called Liberty Bells. It was a um, Memorial Day weekend concert. We had it in a hangar that housed a vintage World War II bomber. You could tour the bomber after the show. That was our backdrop with this gorgeous, gorgeous B-17 bomber. It was really just amazing. And we did patriotic music. Well, guess who that show is marketed towards? That, that goes to seniors. So we put, um, we made an effort to contact the activities coordinator or activities director in every 
retirement community in our area. And we sent them because we're seniors instead of emailing them stuff. We did that, but we also followed up by walking into the place and handing them a press packet about our show. And we had people come by the busload. We had 400 people in that, in that show. Wow. Um, and you probably brought back a lot of memories for them and, and, uh, they probably left with a really good, really good feeling. Well, and when you find your audience, that's going to determine a lot of the decisions for you. So for this show for seniors, we knew we had to have it in the afternoon. It couldn't be an evening concert. They wouldn't come out for it. That's so, true. Oh, yeah. The timing makes makes a right. big difference for, for the people that are going to exactly. be there. Because everybody goes, yeah, I mean, I might as well do it Saturday at 7 o'clock. Well, that might not be the best time for the, your particular demographic that you're targeting. Right. And if you don't know your demographic, then you don't know what's going to work. Right. So you find your audience and then you figure out what's going to work for them. What's a venue that I can get to. And so for this, um, having it in a hangar worked really great. Not just because we could have these, these vintage aircraft there, but also because there were no steps. There were no ramps. There was no um, elevator involved. Nothing like that. And that was important for this particular crowd. But they could walk right up to it. They could park right on the runway and, and walk right to it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's gosh, these are so many like details that that I feel like we don't think about. I mean, I I gosh, I'm my mind's blown. I mean, I, I don't, I would have never would have thought about about the reason to perform in an airplane hangar is because there was no steps. Right. I mean, that's just it's really knowing your audience. It is. We we take a camera. We take take our phone and video going into the place like like I'll get in my car and I'll drive a friend and she'll record this is what it looks like driving into the venue and we decide where we need signage you know how where is it confusing where do we need you know to direct people what doors need signs what do we need to do and then we get with the venue and say here's the problems that we saw how can you help or what signs are we allowed to put up and and figure that out wow that's it's a lot of thought. <laughs> wow. But I mean, it's, it's so essential. I mean, if you, I know professional, um, professional musical concerts that I've been involved in that don't even go to that much detail, but you're locking in, I mean, you're locking in a, a loyal audience when you, when you spend that much time caring about them. You do. I mean, we played a, a few concerts in this gorgeous, gorgeous facility in Round Top, Texas. It's an hour and a half away from Houston. And we have people who don't even think about making that drive out to see us. Our, when we played there before, we had a group of people who came up afterwards and told us that they had driven there from Midland, Texas. That's a seven hour drive. And I said, do y'all have family here? <laughs> what, what? And they said, no, we came to see you, which just kind of blew me away. Wow. So you do create very passionate fans. Um, and in the tools that I use for concert planning, you don't, don't worry, you don't have to think of all this on your own. There are questions that you need to think about, like what are the likely obstacles that could prevent people from coming to this concert? Okay, so you've done all your work, you've done all your marketing, people want to come, they know about your show. What's going to prevent them from coming? See if you can figure out what those are and see if there's some of those that you could fix. And the accessibility issue, that's one of them. We can fix that. We can do some stuff with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So Stevie, I, I we're, we're getting up close to an hour, and I want to make sure that that I respect Choir Nation's time. Uh, I wanted to leave them with a way that they could potentially get in contact with you if they have any additional questions. You do have an online platform, so I wanted to just make sure you had a chance to plug that here on the on the podcast. So uh, you are at I'm assuming it's it's Stevie B B E Music dot com, correct? That's correct. So Stevie, S-T-E-V-I-E, B as in to be or not to be, StevieBMusic.com. And you can also find her Facebook page by the same name. Right. Stevie B Music on Facebook or um, you can email me directly at Stevie at StevieBMusic.com. And you can also find Stevie, who's a very active member in my Choir Nation Facebook group as well. So that's a very easy route uh, to get to Stevie. Um, and you can see what she's up to because she posts in there regularly. So head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash choir nation, or you could just search choir nation in the Facebook search bar and, uh, ask to join that group, which is a very lovely group of choral directors, teachers, and enthusiasts. And, uh, you, I'm sure you will see Stevie in that group as well. I would like to thank Stevie for her time today and for helping my audience to step up to the podium with purpose. So thank you, Stevie, for being my guest today on the Find Your Forte podcast. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Guth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing.